Welcome to episode 46 of Oscar Sunday. I'm Austin Johnson. I'm Connor Izagari. And the 93rd Academy Awards are just one week away, my friend. <laughs> Crazy stuff. Crazy stuff. Uh, you know, it is is been a fun ride, you know, watching all these movies through streaming services and going to the theater and whatnot, just kind of like a, a just a mix of all this stuff. And you and I are pretty excited, I'd say. <laughs> Hell yeah. I mean, this is our first, you know, award season with this podcast. So this is this is kind of our bread and butter. This is exciting. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I didn't think I could ever be this excited for the Oscars, you know, <laughs> honestly. But yes, doing this, doing this show and kind of going through the history of it, finding the holes in it and finding kind of the gems in it uh, has given me this whole, you know, new, not respect for it, but just kind of this rejuvenation to learn more about all these random movies that have been nominated. And, you know, today we're going to talk about The Incredibles from, from 2004, which was nominated for four Oscars <laughs> at the 77th Academy Awards and won two. So we're going to have some fun with that one. You know, we'll give awards out to it. But I, I want to start by talking about the ceremony next week, uh, the 93rd Academy Awards. And we kind of did a best picture, a little bit of talk on those movies. We talked about the best director race. But today, it's just a week away. I want to get some just general thoughts. Uh, for instance, I, these actor categories, I feel are pretty much all up in the air, which never happens. <laughs> yeah, it, it, It's, it's so, so rare for all four categories to kind of be a race. You know what I mean? It's exciting. I love not having a sure thing. We never get a sure thing. I mean, we never don't get a sure thing with the um, the acting ones. And this time, because the Globes were so all over the place, we really don't have... I mean, there's a couple possible front runners, but it could be a complete, you know, coin flip here. I'm, I'm excited. I, I love this. I love, you know, usually, you know, we bet around the Oscars. We place, you know, we do a ballot. And it really could be anybody's game here. It's, it's awesome. Yeah, yeah, extremely exciting. I, I do. Let's just go through all four and say who you're pulling for. Uh, best actor. Uh, it's got to be Chadwick Boseman. I, I just I, I want this guy to get the win. You know, I'd say that he's he's probably the front runner for best actor. You know, he took on the globe. Uh, he deserves it for sure. I would you know, I wouldn't be surprised, but I think Anthony Hopkins might snake this one. Yeah, he just got the BAFTA. Yeah. Yeah. I think he might take home his second statue for the father, and it would be well-deserved as well. All five of these performances were fantastic. So really, it's it's up in the air. I'd be happy with any of these guys taking home a statue. Yeah, me too. I just definitely, if I have one guy, I think I think everybody's in the same boat. They just, yeah, it'd be cool if Chadwick got the, got the Oscar. Uh, best actress. Uh, I, I got to be honest. I want Franny McDormand to get that third. <laughs> Yeah, I'm not surprised that you would think that. That you're definitely pulling for her to enter kind of the the like VIP room in the Hall of Fame. Yes, yes. <laughs> um, I know it's a long shot and it's probably not going to happen, but I really do want Carrie Mulligan to win this. Oh yeah, no, I think it could definitely happen. I think this one is the most up in the air. Kind of like each of these women have won something. Yeah, but not but not one of them has won everything, you know, sort of thing through the award season. So super, 
super curious about that one. Yeah, I just I, I think Francis, like you said, entering kind of a like holy tier, you know, <laughs> you know mm-hmm. uh, of of three wins, it would be would be really special to witness, and it's not it's not a performance that isn't deserving. You know what I mean? It's a very good movie, very solid performance. And she's, she's just incredible, but all five of them are great. So I'm, I'm really okay with, with same as the actor, you know, both, both lead categories. I'm kind of okay with wherever it goes. Yeah, me too. I mean, Andrew Day took home the the globe and uh, Mm -hmm. if she takes home the Oscar, I think it'd be well-deserved. Her performance as Billie Holiday was fantastic. And yeah, all five, all five of these women were fantastic. So that's what I love about this show. There's no weak link this time. Like usually there's a weak link. There's not one like this. There's no crash. (laughs) (laughs) That's a good one. (laughs) There's certainly, certainly not one of those. Uh, The supporting uh, categories. I, I, you know, I look at the, the, the men here and, First name that jumps out is Daniel Kaluuya, right? And you think like, oh, what's going on with him and Lakeith both being in the supporting category? But I, I really would be cool with either of them winning, you know, uh, uh, Kaluuya or Stanfield. They're they're both pretty awesome, and that movie has a incredible pace to it, and just some some shit that you know a lot of people you know just needed to learn and. It's always good when that happens in a movie, and those two guys are at the forefront of that. They are. I'm. I'm surprised one of them didn't. You know, wasn't up for actor. Like, it, yeah, exactly. Stupid. Yeah, but I think if there is going to be a sure thing, I think it's this one. I think Kaluuya has this in the bag. I mean, he's okay. been the favorite, and he <laughs> he deserves it. Holy hell, was that a incredible transformative performance? And. Uh, yeah, I, I can't wait to see him win gold. And again, five great performances, so <laughs> whatever. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I, I like I like this category. I'll, I'll say so, the Sasha Baron Cohen performance has not aged too well just because of uh, that accent, man. <laughs> <laughs> In 1965, <laughs> there's just a few times where it gets a little out of hand. Him and him and Eddie Redmayne both just it gets a little out of hand. <laughs> I'll give you that. I'll give you that. You know, Frank. I, sorry, Frank Langella. Sorry, it, it, to me is the winner of that movie and should have been the one that's up. If you, anybody's going to be up in that movie, him or or Rylance, I think. Yeah, I, Mark Rylance was. Mm-hmm, that's a good call. But we'll see. I mean, I did enjoy the performance. It does slip a couple times. The the accents are a little. I get that. But I don't know, I'd like to watch that again before the show just to kind of refresh. Because when I watched, you know, I, I saw that months ago. Before yeah. Any, anything else had come out and I was like, this is the movie. Now I'm not sure that's the movie. <laughs> yeah, no, I, it's, it's definitely not my favorite uh, as time has gone on of, of the group. That's for sure. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, but there's some strong movies, you know. So, I, I yeah, I just I, I think, like you said, Rylance or... Franklin Gallup were both both stronger in my opinion overall in that movie. Uh, how about how about supporting actress? Who, do you, who who are you pulling for there? Everyone hated this movie. I don't give a fuck. I thought this was a brilliant movie. I thought it was a brilliant performance. <laughs> I want Glenn Close to take home a statue for this. Finally, like I think this is her ninth nomination. 
it's like I want her to go home with a statue, and she would deserve it for Hillbilly Elegy. It was I, I like that movie a lot. Uh, yeah, I'm the only t- one who liked that. Movie. Yeah, yeah. I was gonna say no. I have I haven't seen it, but I haven't met really anyone aside from you. <laughs> I yeah. I don't care. I I like what I like, and I thought she was great, and I think it's hilarious that she's also up for the Razzie. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. She 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 has been. You know, she's kind of. You know, her and Peter O'Toole, eight nominations, no wins, you know, that kind of that kind of category. That's where Glenn Close is at. And so, like you said, if this this is kind of scary territory, it's time to get her a win. But but I, I just, you know, I haven't seen the movie, so I can't quite say. Uh, to, to me, Amanda Seyfried and Mank, uh, just kind of a kind of a perfect performance and fits inside this movie kind of kind of brilliantly brilliantly so i i see it as kind of a classic supporting actress win but i don't know i i think this one's kind of wide open yeah this is the i think the most competitive acting category because all five of these are i don't know how to to explain this like you can kind of like certain actors you can kind of picture them holding an oscar you know Mm -hmm. these five apart from olivia coleman because she did win one i can't I, i don't see it so I'm wondering, like, who here is going to take it? I have no clue. Uh, yeah, I'm. I think I'm most. I'm, I'm most excited for this one because I. I would like to see who's going to be the next best supporting actress Oscar winner. Yeah, it's a fascinating category. We love the supporting, supporting categories here here on Oscar Sunday. Uh, I will take a quick look at the the uh, original screenplay and adapted screenplay. Um, for for me, uh, for original. I, I would I would love to see Sound of Metal take take the dub here. That'd be really cool. Yeah, I I really like the partnership of uh, Darius Martyr and Derek Tsianfrance. I think those two guys are just you know awesome awesome minds in in the movie world. And yeah, I, I'd love to see them rewarded here. Yeah, I think that you know it's it's tough to beat Sorkin when it comes to a screenplay. He usually is the front runner for these. But I think Emerald Fennel is going to surprise us. I think Promising Woman defi- might take this one. Could definitely see that for sure. Uh, yeah, I, I think Promising Woman has kind of this wave that it's still on and could totally see this being kind of the big win it takes. Yeah, potentially. Hell yeah, man. How about, how about Adapted? You know, uh, Borat, The Father, Nomadland, One Night in Miami, White Tiger. I... I, I I haven't seen the white tiger or the father, so I can't say a whole lot here. Yeah. I, I think Nomadland's a strong film. I don't think story is a strong suit. I don't see this taking a screenplay uh, win. I think this is going to go to the father. Uh, 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 Florian Zeller adapted his own play, uh, very character driven and uh, emotional as hell. So I could totally see that taking the win here. Oh yeah. You know, one night in Miami, Kemp, Kemp Powers, the man, you know, also helped out on Soul. I uh, really wish Regina King would have got a directing nomination. That would have been pretty cool. Yeah. Because <laughs> that's like my favorite part of that movie. I think she handled the actor so goddamn well. And that was, that's kind of what I still take away from that film. Um, best animated. I think it's obvious that Soul is going to win, but... I, I know you're you're big on onward. Well, it's cool to see Pixar 
battling against itself. You don't see that very often. And uh, they're both fantastic movies. I like Onward a little bit more, but Soul is pretty much guaranteed this one. <laughs> yeah, the, it'd be shocking. Uh, I think this is the most obvious one of, of the entire, like really the entire landscape. Yeah, I think you're right. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, uh, any other categories you want to kind of touch on? I know, you know, I love another round uh, that I think that's going to win best international feature film. <laughs> uh, I think, I think that one's kind of gained a, a whole following and, you know, Thomas Vinterberg is a guy that's people are kind of familiar, familiar with. I think my octopus teacher is definitely going to win best documentary. <clears throat> um, I just, you, you, there's, there's some things in these categories, these, these, we'll call them the ones that are kind of at the bottom here. They, they tend to, if, if one kind of has like a wave in, in the culture, it just tends to kind of, you know, do well, you know, do well at the Oscars. Uh, and I, yeah, th- that's, those are two predictions that I think are kind of in the bag for best doc and best international feature film. Cool. Cool. What do you think of cinematography? Ah, oh, man. Yeah. I definitely want to talk about that one. Um, you know, I haven't seen uh, News of the World, but for me, you know, what I'm polling for is Eric Messerschmidt. Uh, you know, for what it's worth, you know, <laughs> Mank is uh, obviously quite a spectacle, you know. And for me here in my in my home, it was kind of treated as an event, you know, <laughs> and and I, I just immediately looked up. <clears throat> I was like, I wonder who worked with Fincher on this one. You know, who who's the cinematographer? And I learned learned who this man was very quickly. You know, and I would love to see him take the dub here. I agree with you. I think that he's got a shot, but I think this one right here is a <laughs> battle between Measurement for Mank and Joshua James Richards for Nomadland. I think one hundred percent. That's the fight here. One hundred percent. Yeah, Joshua James Richards. It's like you know pretty much perfect uh american you know filmmaking right where chloe Zhao and and him are just kind of teasing you with landscapes that are you know right here in our backyard you know and that's one of the coolest things that you can do you know in american storytelling and filmmaking so i i really appreciated the way the way they kind of captured uh parts of the country and that has a lot to do with with this guy josh yeah Oh, for sure. For sure. And I, I can speak for News of the World. I did see that one. And it mm-hmm. is visually stunning. It's a great American Western. But uh, nice. yeah, I think just the worlds that Mank and Nomadland created are un- unparalleled. <coughs> and I think one of those is taking this home. Yeah. Yeah. Sh- Sean Bobbitt, shout out. Judas and the Black Messiah. Awesome. Oh, man. <laughs> Talk about being excited for, for Sean and Shaka King, just really cool stuff in Judas and Black Messiah. For sure. And Trial of the Chicago 7, uh, I, I like that movie a lot. I think that a lot of people had kind of second thoughts about it. I think it had an initial, like, that was amazing reaction. And then the more it went on, people were kind of like, was it amazing? Like, people kind of thought about it a bit more. But I still, I still hold strong with it was amazing. So I'm going to... I'm going to, you know, go ahead and throw a little shout out to feed and Papa Michael. 
Hell yeah. Hell yeah. No, I like that. Yeah, I think that one out of all the best picture nominations has definitely gotten the most kind of heat as time has gone on. I totally agree with that. Whereas other movies have just kind of, you know, either gained more, you know, more praise, more respect or stayed level. Uh, I think trial has gone backwards because like you said, it was kind of immediately, Oh shit. This is, you know, this is Oscar, you know, fucking, (laughs) fucking Oscar bait type stuff. And it's like, Oh no, 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 wait. Uh, this is probably going to lose some stuff. Yeah. Yeah. The momentum has slowed, but exactly. You know, we'll see how that pans out. Come come the show. Yeah. Next, next week. Time will tell my friend next week. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, man, I I'm, I'm wicked excited. I'll try to watch. I, I still don't know if the father is, is out to rent right now. And I might just have to try to go see in theaters before next week. Uh, let me check for you. Um, the father is, of course, now voodoo picks the time to be all weird. Um, well, yeah, well, yeah, fucking voodoo. Yeah, I don't think it's. Yeah, I think it's still at the movies. I did see it when we went to. We saw in in the Earth today, and I remember seeing yeah. it on the marquee over there. So it is there. Yeah, yeah, we're recording this on Friday night, oh. a- April sixteenth. So yeah, we saw saw a movie that was the first time. This is the first time I've been back at the theater in like 13, 14 months. You can rent it on Prime for twenty bucks. Oh well, which is steep. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's that's it's more convenient, obviously, to watch it at home. But twenty dollars is not convenient. It is not. That's fucking robbery. Highway robbery, yeah. But I'll, I'll I'll do I'll do what I can to to watch that movie before the show because then that would I will knock out all the best picture nominees. Um, yeah, man, I, I'm ready. Uh, I think we both see Nomadland doing well. Uh, I still stand by my Minari prediction for best picture though. Uh, and then I am pulling for Thomas Vinterberg to win, but I I think Chloe Zhao has got the director in the back. Yeah, no contest. Chloe Zhao's taking that home. Uh, best picture. I it's not that I want Nomadland to win. I just think it's going to. I think it's the safe yeah. bet. Nari definitely has a shot. I think if they really want to impress us, give it to Judas and the Black Messiah. But I don't think that'll happen. We'll see, man. Yeah, next week. <laughs> next week. Ah, oh, loads of fun. But uh, today, <clears throat> I wanted to do you know, kind of kind of change the pace up you know with it with an animated film we haven't we haven't done an animated film since shrek and that was that was a while back now my friend and we we did beauty and the beast as well uh and and we just felt like doing kind of one of the animated winners that's just fun as hell and so incredible incredibles just kind of jumped out (laughs) right uh you know, of course, we both saw this in theaters. Uh, we were nine years old. My God. Uh, yeah. Uh, thinking about that is real weird, right? You know, how much closer The Incredibles is to 1995 than it is to now. Yeah. Nine years and 17 years. Very bizarre. <laughs> and this, this particular Pixar movie ha- has just aged so goddamn well. 
And it's to the point where I'm like, I don't even know what to rate this. This is really, really good. It's not my favorite Pixar, but it's just, it's up in that top tier. It's a special film, I think, because it didn't, it felt like it wasn't trying to make a kid's movie. It's, a, it's almost like a very serious superhero family drama at times. I mean, this is a dark movie. There are some, there's a lot of death, a lot of violence, a lot of betrayal. Like, this is a very harsh film for a nine-year-old. <laughs> yeah. But it's the studio that did Toy Story, so how could it possibly be bad for kids? And, uh, I, I, as, you know, as a kid, you're thinking like, oh, Mr. Incredible can you know, throw stuff real far and he's really funny and he's, oh, he crushes a, a car. Ah, it's, it's funny. As a grown-up, you're like, holy shit, does he hate his job? And <laughs> I'm just like, you sympathize with him. Like, I've lived, I've worked in an office and hated myself. I get it. <laughs> I had super strength. I'd chuck my boss through a through five, you know, walls. Like you just relate to this whole situation of like, I know I'm better than this. Why am I doing this to myself? It it ages with you. It's great. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and that you can say that over and over about Pixar. Yeah. Yeah. The uh, films are timeless. It, it, indeed. And you know, we have the you know, uh, obviously I've given our age away plenty of times but we we were born when toy story came out right yeah so when you say that they age with you it's 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 true uh, <clears throat> when toy story 3 comes out we're 15 and become have become totally attached to this you know this trilogy it's like what how is this animated you know kind of well, this, this, this company, this production company, you know, Pixar, that's just, just monstrous in our pop culture. But it's, you know, I kind of see it as the MCU. It's like, but it's mostly good. So <laughs> I have no problem. Just, I have no problem just going back over and over every year, you know, giving them my time, giving them my money. Cause it's like, well, this shit is pretty fucking entertaining every time, you know? And you, you kind of get that. And The Incredibles, it comes, you know, you know, Toy Story, Bugs Life, Toy Story 2, Monsters, Inc., Finding Nemo, and then this. This is like super early, early in the game, but yet they've already mastered it, you know? Yeah. And, and it's just really incredible to kind of, first off, witness as a kid, you know, you're just, holy shit, you have this awesome stuff to watch. But now, as an adult having on Disney plus just right here in my home. Like it's kind of crazy and kind of, kind of amazing to kind of research that stuff, you know, and look, look back at the history of how Pixar has dominated and just been on top of itself kind of the whole time. Well, I've always seen Pixar as kind of the last little imagination that Disney has left. Yeah. <laughs> That's where all the creative, all the creativity is coming from now. Like, you know, just this, you know, last year, Onward and Soul, two of their best films, you know, hit you right in the heart again. I mean, they have, you know, there's a couple missteps with the car sequels and you know, the good dinosaur and, you know, nobody's perfect. We all have our Iron Man threes. <laughs> but, but for the most part, the batting average is insane. And, I still, you know, I still love Toy Story. I watch it all the time. It's still one of my favorite movies. I, you know, on tape, 
when I was a kid, I had the first two Toy Stories and a Bug's Life. Like those were my, you know, on VHS. Uh-huh. They've been in my yeah. life forever. And Pixar is crucial to my development as a film fan and just as a you know, well-rounded human being. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's one thing that has kind of stayed with me when we did the uh, Beauty and the Beast episode. We kind of went down the whole Disney Renaissance era in the, in the, you know, starting with 89 little mermaid and going through the nineties. And you, you, when you talked about the lion King, you talked about how this movie was when you first were kind of confronted with the idea of death. Yes. Think about what Pixar introduced us to these movies and just kind of the, when Incredibles you watch now, it's kind of for an adult, you know, they're totally, totally training you to kind of catch certain things, you know, and, and be of a certain mind when you're watching a movie, these Pixar movies don't allow you, they're they're not holding your hand, you know? Oh no. You know, like in finding Nemo, (laughs) you have, you know, just a frightening opening, frightening, brutally scary Yet at age eight, I was obsessed with this movie, you know, obsessed with the story of a father trying to find his son. And they do that over and over in The Incredibles, you know, and, and Ratatouille has pretty, you know, pretty big stuff going on, pretty big picture ideas and uh, up and Wally, Jesus Christ, you know, these, these movies don't let up at all. And you have to kind of give them credit for our mindset when we're watching things. Cause when you get attached to something like that at a young age, you just, now you're trained to watch things that way. And, and when Pixar is throwing little jokes at you left and right, little Easter eggs, you're, you're kind of trained to like always be, always be paying attention. And I, I fucking appreciate that. You know? Yeah. The little, the little, the little things in Pixar in these movies like really matter they really pay attention to every little detail. And that's now as an adult, how I watch every movie. And it's, I kind of have to give them credit for all of, they just stacked all of these to me as a kid, like classics, <laughs> you yeah. know? And that's, I have to give them credit. Well, and the way they hide life lessons in all of their films, the way they kind of trick kids into thinking about big picture things mm-hmm. i've always appreciated that about pixar like when i found out you know inside out is being used like in uh, special needs classes to teach kids how to handle their emotions like that is life-changing i love shit like that and i can't watch inside out anymore that movie makes me cry always <laughs> oh, it it's such Oof. a roller coaster i think i think richard kind oh. as being as bing bong might you know it, it's it, it it's kind of like their walter like in big lebowski it's like it might be their best character pixar it's mm. just it is a devastating character oh. but with, with with true a tr- like a tr- true sacrifice it's crazy yeah. and it and it, adult movies don't even do that they let you off easy they give you some bullshit there's like an actual sacrifice in this, in this movie. Yeah. In grown-up movies, you know, Batman's in Florence and he's fine. In Pixar, like Bing Bong's death, so to speak, is 
you know, reminds people that we all have to grow up eventually, that we can't just keep holding on to everything, that we have to let childish things go. It's a natural part of growing up. And facing that with a, with a death like that is devastating to all ages. Like we all have to have that moment of like, I grew up. <laughs> like, when did I grow up? You know, one point you're playing with your toys. At one point you're paying your taxes. Like when does the, you can't pinpoint the transition. You just have to realize like what happened and inside out did that to me. And I'll never forgive that film. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. It's brutal. I love it. It's, it's, a, it's like one of my favorite movies of 2015. I, it's, it's so, so mind boggling. And, you know, and then if the recent ones onward and soul from this past year, just both kind of like, Oh man, just kind of make you buckle. Yes. <laughs> and I, I, yeah, I, I have to give him credit. I, I really do. And I, I, I think the Incredibles is somewhere in that top tier of one of their best overall films you know let alone you know the little messages and the kind of you know fun stuff that's in there it is just a good film cool story awesome awesome voice acting and yeah i really grateful for this one and i it, it makes sense that they made a sequel well yeah but like i think my favorite thing about the incredibles is that it's also a kick-ass superhero movie like yeah it yeah. really is exciting. And the whole, like the villain is one of the most evil people Dude. ever created by Pixar. The whole like, concept of a, a super villain who has been building a robot to kill other superheroes, like cannon fodder, because I mean, good God, Syndrome is such a fascinating character. And I, yeah, I can't wait to just dig into him. Yeah. He's incredible. Yeah. <laughs> incredible. Yeah. Love. I love a lot of, a lot of characters. Every side character is great, you know, and it's a super exciting movie like bomb, bomb voyage. <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh, he's fantastic. That's great. I love, you know, Edna, the designer, like the whole idea of the, like every superhero goes to Edna for a costume. She's the best and she knows it. Like, I love that. It's pride. Oh, perfect. Arrogant. <laughs> it's, it's endearing. Perfection. His douchey boss, his tiny little boss, Mr. Huff. All of Sean, I love that even in animated form, he's playing like a little mousy character. <laughs> oh, yeah, dude. I mean, he, he was crucial, you know, uh, for, for me as a kid because uh, probably my favorite Disney movie is, is a goofy movie. Ah, yeah. And, you know, hey, Mazer, what's up, bruh? <laughs> Robert Zimaruski. <laughs> oh man, yeah, he's he's super super effective, and and just so good as Mr. Huff in this movie. Yeah, I one of my favorite things about this is that it introduces the concept of people actually suing superheroes for saving them when they did not ask for it. Like that is such a hilarious idea. And they run with it and it just kind of completely reshapes society because the government's just tired of paying their legal fees. <laughs> of course. God, you gotta you gotta love it. Yeah, it gets so it gets really gets really wild. It gets gets sci-fi, gets super action, super superhero. Yeah, it's awesome. Like I I was kind of blown away because it had been a while since I've seen it. Um I remember watching this over and over and over as a kid though. 
yeah, age nine, 10, 11, just on repeat. Yeah, me too, man. This was uh, my cousins had a, one of those, you know, SUVs with t- with the TVs in the back, and this was one of their like three movies they would constantly watch. It was like Incredibles, Ice Age, and I think like Shrek Two, and they would just have it on constant repeat whenever I was in their car. So I saw The Incredibles so many times in my like preteen years. And it's just such a solid movie. You get sucked in. You just, you, no matter how, like, where it is, if you start watching it, you're going to keep watching it. Yeah, 100%. And I, I think uh, Mr. Brad Bird, you know, director of Iron Giant, The Incredibles, Ratatouille, Incredibles 2, you know, this guy obviously knows, knows what he's doing. <laughs> yeah, he's one of the best. Yeah, yeah, definitely one of the, one of the best, right up there with Pete Docter uh, as as what Pixar has to offer for writers and directors. Um, I I do want to treat this not just as an animated movie. I want to look at these categories at the seventy seventh Academy Awards and you know see 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 if we think it you know should have beat some stuff. Um, you know, is up for four one two. We we both have our opinions on Shark Tale and Shrek Two, which which it, it beat for animated film. We'll definitely talk about that. But but I want to compare it to the to live action movies as well because I think it deserves that. Absolutely, absolutely. So you want to start with uh, sound mixing? <sighs> Let's do it. All right. Best sound mixing we have: The Aviator, The Incredibles, The Polar Express, Spider Man Two, and the winner. Ray, that's a hell of a bunch. <laughs> <laughs> what a crazy group! Yeah, I, I believe we, I believe we've both seen all of these. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> Correct. All right. Awesome. Yeah, Aviator, a uh, uh, big time movie at this uh, particular ceremony, had the most nominations. Million Dollar Baby goes home with the best picture win, but uh, Aviator is remembered, you know, well as far as the Oscars go. Incredibles, you know. Of course, we're, we we love that one. Polar Express, what so cool to see it here. I think the big question is, and I, I'm sure we'll elaborate on this later on, but what the hell is Shark Tale doing here when the Polar Express, a vastly superior animated film, is right over here? <laughs> yeah, yeah, a movie that's up for sound editing and sound mixing. Yet it's not up for over Shark Tale. Just this, yeah. Is excuse for- <laughs> say what you want about the weird like uncanny valley eyes of the polar express which doesn't really bother me that much that movie is heartwarming as hell a beautiful christmas like spirit film and i watch it every year with my family and i love it shark tale i have seen once in the past 20 years <laughs> yeah because it sucks <laughs> yeah i mean and spider-man 2 hey spider-man 1 and 2 are both so badass yes. and I, I love seeing movies like that here because it means we can potentially do them one day and that's that's really exciting to get a superhero live action superhero film through and through spider-man 2 is the first oscar marvel studios ever won for visual effects so special place in my heart yeah man hey you gotta you gotta thank doc ock for for a lot of that huh Alfred Molina, like today, just came out and said that his his Doc Ock he's playing in Spider-Man No Way Home is Sam Raimi's Doc Ock. So oh, don't going tell multiverse. 
<laughs> Don't tell me that. That's awesome. Oh <sighs> man. <laughs> Alfred Alfred Molina is just the shit, right? He he just yeah. he just kicks ass in everything he touches. <laughs> it's I love, just I've loved that dude since Raiders of the Lost Dark. Like he is just oh. one of my favorites. Yeah. Boogie Nights is, you know, obviously, you know, is my favorite. You know, we've talked about that movie on this show and talked about how that's to me. Oh, I think both of us chose that for the Deacons. You know, it's just the coolest scene of the whole movie when he's just going wild and you got his buddy throwing firecrackers at the ground. Yeah. Hey, Molina's the man, a guy that kind of fit kind of fits that you know character actor like I, i'm I'm just going to kind of do my job really well every time oh yeah even in the worst movies like he shines yes I, it's a weird shout out but one of my like the roles i'll always remember him in is the pink panther 2 okay steve martin and it's only because of one line that had me laughing like to this day it's when they're walking into the latest crime scene he's like a detective from london and a reporter asks him a question and he goes, no comment. And the reporter asks him another question and he goes, if I made a comment after I said no comment, I'd look like a complete ass, wouldn't I? And then just walks inside. <laughs> Thank that you for like, shining yeah. a light in this shitty movie. <laughs> yeah, that, that, sounds, that sounds like him. Yeah. <laughs> Beautiful. Um, and then Ray. Uh, fantastic movie. Uh, fun watch, hard watch at times. But fantastic. And I get why that one sound mixing. Yeah. This this is a film that I would love to do on this show. You know, we could kind of base it around Jamie Foxx's performance, the best actor win. And I, I, I really, really like this movie. But it is one that I'll admit that I... I don't have a strong opinion on similar to kind of like hotel Rwanda. I just haven't seen it in a long time. I remember liking it a lot though. Uh, yeah. I'm, I've only seen Ray one time, but I do remember thinking like, this is fantastic. And yeah. Yeah. Uh, Jamie Foxx deserved that win. <laughs> yes. I remember being blown away, but I just can't remember exactly the, you know, kind of the nuts and bolts of the film. Yeah. Fair enough that, you know, prime for a revisit. Yeah, exactly. Um, so as far as, sound mixing win i would probably i think i'd give it to spider-man 2 oh hell yeah but Sp- <laughs> yeah 100 i think spider-man 2 would be you know would be a film that you can see as you already mentioned you know being that the first win for marvel I, you could see it as being yeah just kind of uber important those first two kind of making them accessible and cool and a huge part of that is that they actually took took care of them. They're actually well crafted films. Yeah. And so, yeah, I, I like that shout. Best sound mixing going to Spider Man Two would be cool. Yeah, the thwips, Doc Ock's arms, the train sequence. Yeah. Like, there's mm. some really cool noises in that film, and I, yeah. Oh yeah, all kinds of all kinds of jazz. Um, the other film, the, the other award that The Incredibles was nominated for but did not win was Best Original Screenplay. Oof. Uh, so cool. Always cool to see an animated film land one of these nominees, nominations. Yeah. Toy uh, Story did it. Uh, what else? What else is there? Shrek did it. Yeah. Um, I think Inside Out. Um, I think... Uh, definitely definitely Inside Out, yeah. 
Toy Story three. Is that did that get Toy Story out? three? Maybe up. Maybe yeah. I don't know. I think Ratatouille might have gotten a nomination. That yeah, that's definitely possible. Yeah, and then I think Beauty and the Beast might have gotten it adapted. I don't remember. Yes. Yeah. Well, we have The Aviator by John Logan, Hotel Rwanda by Terry George and Keir Pearson, The Incredibles by Brad Bird, Vera Drake by Mike Lee, and the winner, Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind by Charlie Kaufman, Michelle Gondry, and Pierre Bismuth. Uh, I've only seen The Aviator and The Incredibles. Oh, shit. Yeah, I haven't seen Vera Drake. You know, Mike Lee's come up um, you know, a few times we talked about happy go lucky on the in Bruges episode and topsy turvy came up last week when we were talking about 1999 uh hotel rwanda is like i said kind of like in the same category as ray i just haven't seen in a while but i remember liking it a lot uh eternal sunshine of the spotless mind oh man this one i have seen quite a few times and i i don't quite know how i feel about it i i was kind of in love with it when i first saw it kind of latched onto it and then i don't know just kind of fell back fell back a little bit and last time i revisited it maybe two three years ago it fell flat for me in in a lot of areas i, I want to like it <laughs> it's a movie that i want to like that i want to like totally understand but uh I, yeah i i don't know about this one i i honestly I, I think the Incredibles should win here out of the ones I've seen, not including Vera Drake. I think it's, and that's of these movies. I'm not talking about all 2004. I'm sure there's other stuff we could find. Yeah. But this is this, this film of this bunch is saying, saying so much inside of a children's superhero movie. Yeah. And it, it kind of demands that respect and not just the nomination, but I, yeah, I think, I think maybe it should have won. I agree. You know, my biggest issue, like eternal sunshine is a film that so many people have told me to check out. So many people have said like, why haven't you seen that yet? And to me, it's just, I don't like Charlie Kaufman. I, every film I've seen of his apart from being John Malkovich, I have been supremely disappointed by. So I just, I'm hesitant to go back, you know, but I love Jim Carrey and I, it is a film that's kind of, you know, crucial to, to the 2000s. So I will have to watch that at some point, uh, either by force <laughs> or by circumstance. Uh, and then Hotel Rwanda, it has just, I haven't gotten around to it. And Vera Drake, the same. But yeah, it, The Incredibles is an incredibly strong screenplay and it totally could have taken this. Yeah. Yeah, I think Kaufman, I know Sengadosh, New York is not, not, your, not your jam. That and I, I thinking of ending things, I did not enjoy that either. I, I, I do think adaptation you would like. I think you'll, I think you'll enjoy that one. That, that came up when we were talking about Chris Cooper last week. Yes, yes it did. I know, yeah. you know Nick Cage brings a flavor to every film he's ever done that just makes me smile, so I'm sure he'll, he'll help me out with that one. Exactly, yeah. So maybe that'll change things, yeah. <laughs> oh, fantastic. Uh, that takes us to the wins. Let's talk sound editing. Uh, only three up, which is odd. Uh, the Polar Express, Spider-Man 2, and the winner, The Incredibles. Um, I can never really differentiate between sound mixing and sound editing, which I guess is good that they've finally merged them together, although I would have changed the name of the award. Um, 
but I'll read. Uh, uh, <laughs> the Academy Award for Best Sound Editing was an Academy Award granted yearly to a film exhibiting the finest or most aesthetic sound design or sound editing. Best Sound Mixing. The Academy Award for Best Sound is an Academy Award that recognizes the finest or most euphoric, or sorry, euphonic sound mixing. Yeah, I don't really see much of a difference here. Sound mixing, recording, sound design, and sound editing. Uh, Literally both of those descriptions say the Academy Award for Best Sound Editing it goes to the best in sound editing. <laughs> that doesn't yeah. help at all. <laughs> yeah, I feel like I, you have to read a whole lot to even understand why there's a, there's two categories here. <laughs> well, Jesus. you know what? The Incredibles deserves it. <laughs> yeah. Of, of these three, sure, man. I think, yeah. Well, Spider-Man 2 has, has definitely has something to say here, but cool to see Polar Express again. <laughs> yeah, it got a few nominations and like was shut out of the next category for reasons I will not understand. <laughs> oh, uh, God, I love it. Let's go there. Best animated film. Oh, man. Shark Tale, Shrek 2, and The Incredibles. Let's let's dig into these. Um... <laughs> Boy. Yeah, we when we did Shrek that episode, we went through all of the winners because Shrek was the very first winner of this particular category, the best animated feature film. So yeah. it's only been around for only been around for 20 years and most of the winners are strong movies, you know. Um, there's some that are better than others. But rarely do you see a movie as shitty as Shark Tale even make the cut. <laughs> 36% on Rotten Tomatoes, and I firmly agree with that. A film that features a nondescript shark mafia, uh, weirdly blackfish, and... Martin Scorsese trying to do hip handshakes. I, this is ridiculous. A terrible movie. DreamWorks should be ashamed of this film. <laughs> I can't yeah, believe this is the same studio that gave us Shrek. Yeah, no, it's it, it's bad. It's 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 not good, and it looks oh so terrible, so terrible. Yeah, you know, I, I I don't I don't know, and yeah, I, I <laughs> the the letterbox reviews of. Shark Tale will have you laughing for hours. <laughs> <laughs> this this movie is aged very poorly with with kind of everyone. You know, I, I don't know. I don't really know anybody who's like, fuck yeah, Shark Tale is great. I can't wait. I can't wait to gather around and watch Shark Tale. That would it's, be a red flag for me, meeting somebody who's like that gung-ho about Shark Tale. I'd be like, I'm worried about this guy. Yeah, me too. Me too, man. Yeah, I think DreamWorks, it's one of their worst efforts. Yeah. Uh, I haven't seen all of them, but it, it's, it's one of the worst I've seen. It's, it's horrendous. And uh, clearly it was made, you know, to cash in on Pixar's Finding Nemo, which was a huge success and a great movie. So DreamWorks is like, well, got to do a fish movie. And that's what they came up with. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. Well, yeah. Then, yeah. On the other, ne- yeah. Nemo is called shark bait, shark tail. Oh yeah. yeah. All this bullshit. Yeah. It's ridiculous. There's no lesson in shark tail beyond just don't lie to your friends. <laughs> yeah. It's terrible. Um, but on the other side of that, we got Shrek too, which I think is really good and holds up. 
Yeah, I definitely. Most of the Shrek work, Puss in Boots, even most of it's pretty pretty good. Yeah, I I enjoy. I think you know three and four have their issues, but I think it's only because one and two are so good. Um, yeah, exactly. They set the bar so high on the first one, and then two. Yeah, two definitely had something to say. I mean, Shrek two is essentially guess who's coming to dinner. Yeah, <laughs> over. Yeah. But and it's cool to see John Cleese and Julie Andrews as a king and queen, you know, out of unsure of their daughter's choices in husband. And I like the whole fairy godmother being a villain thing. I like Jennifer Saunders did a great job playing kind of a sassy, mean fairy godmother. And it's just, yeah, it's a it's a cute movie. It's a cool idea. It builds on Shrek. It doesn't just copy Shrek. Like it's a good sequel. Yeah, that's the main thing is that there's a clear change of pace and change of scenery that allows it to kind of live on its own and introduces new characters that are valuable right yeah that are like you said you know i mean julie andrews so cool (laughs) you have you have people that are worthwhile you know and you're, you're not adding just nonsense which so many sequels do right Especially sequels uh, to kids' movies. Like, they rarely... Yeah, there's, yes. There's no care like this taken into those, usually. C- correct. Yeah, I think, you know, one of the huge reasons, you know, like, all the Toy Stories just, like, mean so much is that they do, they just sprinkle in something. And, like, you get something like Lotso in the third one that's just like, oh, oh shit, good. That's a good villain. They yeah. kind of come at, come out of nowhere. <laughs> that, that ability, you know, just kind of, raises raises it to the next level and so shrek it's just so hard to believe that it comes from the same thing as shark tales it comes from the same company but very hard to believe it really is but yeah clearly this would you know if, if the incredibles were going to win anything it was going to be animated film there was no contest there but the polar express deserves shark tail spot <laughs> yeah i agree i'm sure there's probably a studio ghibli movie that got got shut out i'm sure because they they have movies out the wazoo well that year it was Howl's moving castle but that had been nominated i think the prior year or the year after yeah because they're all yeah yeah they're all kind of wonky they come out they don't compete till a year later or whatever yeah i know what you mean uh that is right though Howl's moving castle is 2004 and that's definitely better than than shark tale <laughs> holy shit Good lord! Yeah, true, I have seen Howl's Moving Castle, and it is—it's—it's it's quite a spectacle. Yeah, that's a—that's a solid movie. That's—that's that's one that could could hang with the Incredibles, I think for sure. Uh, but again, I, I stand firmly in that the Incredibles definitely should win this, and then probably should have taken the original screenplay. Yep, it's a solid film. It's definitely the one that has held up the best of of that group, at least the animated films, and. Um, yeah, it's a solid rewatch and a fun movie to show people who haven't seen it. Like, if you can find that group, it's it's really cool. Oh, yeah, dude. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, awesome movie. I mean, just, you know, of course, like they all do, made over $600 million uh, <laughs> at the box office in 2004. Uh, cool to see this shit in the 50s, right? And Pixar will do that. They'll kind of attack certain certain eras and certain, you know, sometimes different, completely different, you know, eras that we're not, you know, that like, like good dinosaur, completely different prehistoric, you know, type stuff. And then they'll go inside someone's head, you know, <laughs> then they'll deal, then they'll deal with, you know, the afterlife a little bit. It's just, it's just really cool. And 
honing in on the fifties with this superhero family. Yeah. Just, just really awesome. Yeah. And I'm, I'm glad it kind of has the legacy it does. Well, you know, the reason it's in like the fifties, sixties is because that was the kind of the golden age of superheroes and it builds on that kind of like the Batman 1966 era of superheroes. And uh, so cool. That's really cool. It really does pay, you know, pay homage to the classics. And you could tell the guys who were involved in this were superhero buffs who wanted to make their own thing. And I can't believe, like, this is prime franchise material. And I can't believe it took 14 years to get a sequel that was really only subpar. Yeah. You know, I'll tell you what. My daughter, Willow, who's two, would disagree with you. She watches The Incredibles 2 all the time. It's, It's probably in the top three movies she watches the most. The Incredibles 2. I don't know what it is. And what that has that I really like, I, I'm definitely on, on, on your side. I mean, The Incredibles is definitely better. But that movie has a really, really cool Catherine Keener voice vocal performance and a really cool Bob Odenkirk performance. Eh, I don't know. I thought both characters were kind of cardboard cutouts compared to the people in the first movie. I, I thought it was kind of lazy. Um, has just out of curiosity, has Willow seen the first one? Yeah, yeah. Well, she's two. I'm. Ju- I was kidding about her. It is. It, it just. It, it is one of the movies she watches the most. But I. I but yeah. No, I'm. I'm. I'm with you. I think the first one's better. But I remember man, I, Catherine Keener. She's. She's money. I went to see the second one with my cousin Miles, who's about. He was about fourteen, fourteen, fifteen at the time, and um, I remember. We had the Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom specials menu. So he got the Triceratops. They were gross. And he was like disappointed in that. And then he's disappointed in the movie. And then like we had talkers behind us and we were all just like, this was a shitty night. <laughs> I remember thinking like, this is it? Like 14 years and this is the best they could do? Like, I, I yeah, I, I don't know. I, I, I do like it. I mean... <laughs> I, I think it's cool that this the first one, uh, a lot of the plot is centered around Mr. Incredible leaving and going and going and doing his own thing for a lot of the movie. And then the second one is a lot of it's based around Elastigirl going on kind of her own mission. And that's that I like that. I like that it's kind of gives her her gives her her due because she's a really cool character and Holly Hunter fucking crushes it. So I, I, I like I like the second one. I the Incredibles, I give an eight, but it's really close to a nine. And The Incredibles 2, I give a seven. You know, it's not it's not far off. It's not bad. I just I think that after 14 years of buildup, I was expecting something way better. That's fair. And, and that's you really know, kind of my problem. So yeah, that's that's fair, especially when the Incredibles is one of your very favorites. You know, imagine if Toy Story two didn't come out until 2008 and it kind of sucked. Yeah. That, that would, that would be really frustrating. I understand. I understand where you're coming from. Uh, I mean, Incredibles three could happen one day. Yeah. When we're in our fifties. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And we're in our fifties and they're still in the fifties and the, in the, in the movies. <laughs> oh man. I love it. Well, we got some awards for this, for this, this, awesome Pixar movie. Uh, you know, we have the Tarantino for best line or quote. We have the Ennio Morricone for best music moment. Uh, we have the Philip Seymour Hoffman for best performance. So that'll be the best vocal performance in our eyes. 
and we have the Roger Deakins Award for best scene or best moment of the movie. So I'll let you take it away with this this beautiful screenplay that has so many just little diamonds. Sure, I've got two. Um, my first one's very quick, and it's a line that I've always thought was really funny. Um, it's after, so at the beginning of the film when Mr. Incredible has um, Buddy arrested <laughs> and Buddy continues to call himself Incrediboy and Mr. Incredible just loudly and angrily yells, you're not affiliated with me. <laughs> I <always> like that. <laughs> you're not affiliated with me. That's good. I love that. And then the other one has uh, been one of my favorite lines ever. And it's when um, the newsreel after Incredible is sued by the suicide jumper. And he yells at the guy, I saved your life. And the guy yells back, you didn't save my life. You ruined my death. <laughs> That's the darkest shit. Like, this is the only, I think like the only like kids movie I've ever seen that features like an attempted suicide and the way they handle it. Yeah. I can't think of any off the top of my head. That's for sure. <laughs> I don't count like sacrifice. I count like I want to die and I'm going to do it because that's what he was. He jumped off a building. <laughs> oh man. So good. So many little, little moments yeah. or you're, you're just, you're going to kind of find something new every time. Right. That's just one of the best things about a screenplay. Oh yeah. Oh, beautiful. Uh, I have a pretty on the nose one uh, for my Tarantino. Uh, and it's uh at one point, Mr. Incredible is talking to the little boy on the tricycle. Yeah. And the little boy says, I don't know, something amazing, I guess. <laughs> what are you waiting for? That's a great <laughs> one. Yeah, it just has always, always stuck with me. It's a, a popular one that I've just, like I, I said when I was in school, when I was in elementary school and still stay today, you know. I don't know. You know, you can go as high as you want, high pitch, this little kid the bubble gum and everything. Yeah. It's it. I, I love that line. Well, I love that this kid spends the rest of the movie just sitting outside their house waiting for something yeah. awesome to happen. <laughs> something amazing, I guess. Yeah. But and then beautiful. at the end, he's like, that was totally wicked. Yeah. Like, yeah. You, get the, you get the payoff. Yeah. And it's kind of like, he's you, you know, we're that's the audience, right. Is, uh, is the kid on the tricycle. <laughs> beautiful. Job. Uh, Ennio, Ennio Morricone, what do you got for music? So Michael Giacchino's score is fucking <laughs> awesome. It's so, yeah. like, just, mm, like, it's a fucking rocket ship. It's great. Yeah, And uh, it's it really hard to find a specific moment from that score, but there was a bit that had gave me goosebumps. It was when the family is assembled towards the end. They're about to fight the Omnidroid, and the theme just kicks in ever so slightly, and you're like, oh, shit it's time. Like they're going to fight together. They're going to take this thing down as a family. And it just, it made me very excited. So, so it's just like a little bit of the opening theme popping in towards the end, right before the big fight. That was, my yes. Point. Yeah. Beautiful, beautiful stuff. There's, there's some moments with the family where the camera just kind of, just kind of pans out. Right. And it's just, it's just beautiful superhero shit to the core. It's awesome. <laughs> yeah. This, this score is, <laughs> brilliant a uh, few tracks that i really like adventure calling is 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 awesome lava in the afternoon is kind of like a slower jam that's awesome life's incredible again it's like you're listening to frank sinatra 
you know, oh, yeah. uh, that one's really cool. Uh, 100 mile dash is really cool. One of moments when dash is kind of in action. Road trip is one of a really cool track. This really everything is good. Every piece of the score is good. And a lot of them are like a minute and a half long and just kind of pop. But and I, I don't typically do this, but I have to give my, the Enyo award to the in credits, <laughs> which is the, which is the name of it. You know, the in credits uh, instead of Incredibles and quite clever. It's, it's this huge, like fucking big band, you know, this awesome seven minute, kind of epic piece and i was just i was just kind of like whoa holy shit i just kind of sat there you know for five six seven minutes longer you know yeah after i've already seen the movie <laughs> you know <laughs> i'm just kind of like this is crazy you know and i had in mind all these different things that i was going to choose from and then and then that happened and i was like oh man like i wanted to go out on the town it was it was <laughs> it got in my it got in my fucking blood it's, it's cool and and I love when animated movies do that. They, they remind you of how powerful they are. Animated movies. I, I don't know why this tends to happen, but animated movies have some of the most baller scores in film history. Like they just go for it. It's fucking beautiful. Uh, yeah. I, yeah. Incredibles is uh, like the end credits. I know exactly what you're talking about. I've sat through those credits myself. And they are just, that is a beautiful bit of, of uh, orchestral show off. <laughs> yeah. Beautiful, beautiful stuff. Could, could, could really choose anything off of this, uh, off this score. It's 19 songs and about an hour long. It's just beautiful. Uh, oof, here we are. This is the one I've been kind of like thinking about all day. You know, it's the Philip Seymour Hoffman. It's always fun when you, get something that's a little bit different right and of course when you're doing an animated movie you're not looking so much at some uh, uh, well you're not looking at a physical performance you're just you're you're hearing the voice out how do they fit this character and for that we're you know we both we both have one person and i'm, I'm super curious to hear yours i am curious to hear yours as well um for me i mean i, I think this is a very off the wall voice cast they all, like, I never would have thought Craig T. Nelson is a superhero, but here we are. And uh, they all do such a great job. The kids, like, everyone's great. But for me, the standout is Jason Lee as Syndrome. Same. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, oh, hands down. Unbelievable stuff from Jason Lee. This guy who's in, like, you know, fucking stealing Harvard, like, a year later. What? what the hell is this? This is a brilliant, brilliant character. And he, he just gives it, it just oozes with life. This, this, this vocal performance. Syndrome is a, is, is scary. Like his motivations are so twisted. Like this guy is so sadistic. He's killed so many people and all because Mr. Incredible told him to fuck off. Like that's yeah. where all this comes from this. Like, 20 years of building an empire built on destroying one man it's it's wild and he kills like so many superheroes that it's it's insane when you realize like the depth of his madness just how many people he's murdered to get this thing primed it's it's crazy the you know kidnapping the baby like deliberately like trying to kill his family knowing they're on that jet like 
it's just he's so evil. Like by kids' movie standards, this guy's the devil. <laughs> like he's you know grown-up movie evil, and Jason Lee just plays him with this arrogance and smarm that just works for a comic book villain. It's perfect. Yeah, brilliant, brilliant stuff. Yeah, uh, yeah. I <laughs> there's a small part of me that that thought I, he might choose Jason Lee. This guy. Uh, you know, I, I mentioned Stealing Harvard that actually came out two years before The Incredibles. Uh, you know, Almost Famous and Dogma and Chasing Amy, all that, all that stuff. Of course, Jay and Silent Bob strike back. And uh, of course, My Name is Earl. But I, I'm not kidding when I say that this is, this is like one of his very best things he's ever done. You know, is this, this exact character syndrome, Buddy Pine, is just is, is so perfect. It is so like like I said, you know, the whole cast is off the wall. I never would have pictured Jason Lee as a comic book villain, but I don't see anybody else working with you know syndrome. He looks like a fucking troll doll, and he's just pure sadism, pure anger, just fifteen years of seething <laughs> leading into this genius mind who uses these brilliant inventions to destroy one family. It works. I, you know, I love it. Jason Lee's, there's some moments where he's just like, you know, you married Elastigirl and got busy. Like things like yeah. that. Yeah. Like, yeah. It's just so weird. <laughs> yeah. Crazy. <laughs> and, and Jason Lee, of all people. Yeah. yeah. So cool. There's this ballsy casting and how it just paid off so well. Yeah. I love it. Um, the Deacons, the Roger Deacons. Boy, this is tough. You know, this is a near two-hour movie, and it's got a lot of, a lot of, you know, kind of firecracker, firecracker type moments. But um, what, 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 what do you find to be uh, the best moment? The one that's lasted the longest for you? For me, it's the film's darkest moment, and uh, I didn't, you know, I didn't really understand the gravity of this scene when I was a kid. But the older I get, I get chills watching this part just because. I realize what it means. And it's when Bob infiltrates Syndrome's hideout after Syndrome thinks he's killed him, he gets into the, to the computer room, types in the password and finds out the, the true depth of Syndrome's plan and everything. He's all of the friends that he's killed, all of the heroes Mr. Incredible has known throughout the years that Syndrome has murdered with his robot. Just seeing their, you know, eliminated, like flashing on the screen, him typing in his wife to make sure he doesn't know where she is. Like, it's so dark and it's so brilliant. The music swells. They find out he's in there and they like to trap him in that goo. It's you, you just suddenly you feel like the stakes have increased dramatically and shit's about to get insane. And it's, it's perfect. It's a perfect scene. Ah, I wrote down <laughs> Mr. Incredible finds out what's going on and then gets and then gets shot by black blobs. <laughs> oh, we are in <laughs> rare form tonight. <laughs> uh, yeah. Oof. One of the one of the finer moments in Pixar history. Um, I can't tell you at any point, um, other than like Infinity War and Endgame, where I where you feel, yeah, like you're gonna cry in a superhero movie right and yeah. 
that, that that's this moment. I just never really read it the way I did when I watched it this time. And it was like, Oh shit. <laughs> Fuck. You know? And then thinking about syndrome and thinking about just the, the demons, you know, the demons this guy has now. And yeah, it's a, it's a brutal, brutal scene that a kid can watch and doesn't have to totally understand, but they know the tone is like, Whoa. And then when those black, those like ball, those blobs come at him, it is fucking scary, you know? And then there's that brilliant closing shot of the blobs closing in. And all you can see is, um, what's her name? Elizabeth Pena. Who does she play? What's that girl's name? Mirage. Yeah. Mirage. When he sees her, yeah, it's just like brilliant. <laughs> it's shit that you'd see like an Indiana Jones. It's just really fucking cool. Uh, amazing stuff. Yeah. It gives me a pure sixties, James Bond vibe. Yeah. It's- yeah great uh and yeah especially like it also makes it so satisfying later on when syndrome gets sucked into the jet turbine which is super dark again for disney to do death like that holy shit (laughs) oh man i love how ballsy they were with this film yeah oh yeah and then we haven't even really brought up one of the very best characters of the whole thing frozone um Yeah. yeah Ice of you to visit us. Yeah, you know. <laughs> uh, Fro- Frozone, you know, this movie probably doesn't have the legacy it does without him, right? With like, where's my super suit? All that stuff. It's just stuff that is iconic in pop culture. Rightly so. Yeah, it was, you know, I have a, a quote of the day movie calendar. And literally this past week, uh, a quote from The Incredibles was one of the... Uh, was one of the pages and it was when Frozone's looking for his super suit and he yells, you know, we're talking about the greater good. And the quote was greater good. I am your wife. I am the greatest good you're ever going to (laughs) get. So good. So, so good. Yeah. That, that, I mean, from that moment when he, when he's getting involved to, you know, this kind of final fight scene, all of that shit is just breathtaking. (laughs) It's incredible incredible movie making and the attention to detail again on the, on the animation is what sets it apart. You know, that's what sets a lot of the Pixar movies apart from their, their, their competitive, you know, their competition. They, they still just look really cool and really interesting. And like in the Incredibles, the kind of the production design within, you know, is just really fucking cool, really neat. It's crazy. Yeah, from Toy Story to Soul, Pixar has always been at the very top of the animation game. I mean, they have been experimenting with all sorts of new technology since the beginning. They go out of their way to make, you know, shadows and just like glare realistic. They do camera tricks that like you only see in live action movies. It's, it's really wild how far they go to make this in every movie an experience. And I will, you know, applaud them for that forever. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, definitely. Definitely have to give them props, man. They're they're super important <laughs> to, to who who we are and what we are as movie fans, you know. That's 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 really special. Great great movie. Where, where do you have it? What do you have it uh, rated? Is it a 9 for you? It's a 9. The Incredibles is a 9. For okay. Sure. So before we talk about what we're doing next week, what of of the Pixar films, what's a 10? Toy Story. That's it. <laughs> Um, yeah, (laughs) 
I've Same. given a lot of nines, but I think Toy Story is the only 10 I've given from Pixar. Same. And then I have a lot of, yeah, a lot of nines as well. Not a lot, but mo- mostly eights. A lot of, a lot of just solid eights. Yeah. And there's some nines, but yeah, my 10 would be Toy Story as well. Inside Out would be a nine. Monsters Inc. would be a nine. A Bug's Life would be a nine. Uh, Incredibles is on its way. I, I don't know. I don't know. It's, it's probably there. Honestly, it's, just, it's it, in my mind. I feel like I have to differentiate, you know, how much I like each one of these, <laughs> you know, and, and at the end of the day, it's just, they just make a lot of awesome movies. I gave um, Toy Story two, three, four, all have nines. Okay. Um, uh, the Incredibles, obviously. Um, Up would be a nine. Um, Onward is a nine. Inside Out's a nine. Uh, I think that's all. Bugs Life's an eight for me. Monsters Finding Nemo. Nemo. I haven't watched Nemo in a long time. I want to give it another shot. I gave Finding Dory a nine when it came out. Wow. But again, another film I'd like to revisit to see if that really holds up. Yeah. I think you'll, yeah, Finding Nemo has just kind of blown me away the past couple times I've seen that. Will, Willow likes that one as well. Well, you're a dad uh, now. Of course, that's one's going to resonate yeah. with you a little bit more now. <laughs> yeah, I mean, all, all of these two, if I'm, you know, going to be honest, you know, right? Of course, I saw a lot of these movies in theaters with one of my parents or both my parents. And uh, that, that, sh- that shit just matters, you know, whenever those little things matter. As you get older, it's stuff that you remember. Yeah, I mean, this will not be the last time Pixar comes up on this show. I mean, oh no, opening the floodgates. Yeah, yeah, no, we've done Beauty and the Beast straight through and through Disney. We've done Shrek, DreamWorks. We've done Incredibles, Pixar. I, w- I, w- I really want to do Spirited Away next uh, when we when we tackle animated next. Cool. Uh, and, and then yeah, it's really. I have no problem doing um, an animated movie that didn't win. You know, like one of Wes Anderson's films. Uh, you know, I think it'd be fun to do Isle of Dogs. Yeah, I anything really. Yeah, I love the the variety we get to pick from on this show. Yeah, yeah, it's beautiful. I mean, next next week, you know, it is the Oscars, but we we got it. We want to put an episode out. You know, we want to do something. I I felt like we we shouldn't do a typical episode like this. You know, we should do something that's kind of like in in ceremony spirit, right? Uh. And you and I kind of came up with the idea of a best picture swap. And we chose 2010 to 2019 because that's where we've seen the most movies and we've both now almost seen all of them. Uh, that's, that's, a, that's a bunch of movies from 10 years that, that were all nominated for best picture. And what you and I want to do next week is pick a movie that we feel like probably should be in that group and take one out. Yes. So you're kind of pinpointing what you think is the, is the least solid film out of the best picture group each year. And you're putting one in. Um, And we feel like that'll be a fun way to, instead of just saying these are all snubs or whatever, we'll properly take one out because we've seen them all take one out and put one in. Um, We feel like that's the best way to do it. It's the most fair way to do it. And we're going to just tackle the 2010s and have a lot of fun with it next week. I, uh, you know, I'm, I'm hoping we have 20 movies joining, but we might overlap on a couple. We'll see. Yeah, we'll see. It's going to be, it's going to be fun. It's going to be uh, some real experimentation. See what kind of stuff Oscar related, you know, shenanigans we can get up to on this show. <laughs> yeah, exactly. 
I mean, it'll come, it'll come out, you know, the, the episode will release during the day and you know, the Oscars are of course, you know, at 7 PM uh, central time that night. So super excited, you know, it's going to be a lot of fun. So we're trying to do something just kind of, just kind of fun and random as hell for the day of the Oscars. We'll do that every year. We'll, we'll try to plan something kind of different and, you know, on sneak preview, we're going to be tomorrow. We're, we're going to be doing a little actor thing. So it's, yeah, we're just kind of doing all kinds of ideas. I, it's so much fun. Yeah. Tomorrow's sneak preview is going to involve uh, us kind of shining a spotlight on some honorable mentions for best actor and best actress from 2000 to 2009, not taking yeah. anyone out, just putting one in. Yeah. We're not really going over all of the nominated uh, actors. We're more just shouting out what we think. Hey, this was cool. Yeah. And if you want your movie fix on Wednesday on Filmgasm, Josh and I are doing James Gunn's creature feature Slither. So beautiful, beautiful tune in for that one. That'll be a blast. And then the giggle guys will do their thing on Friday. It's going to be a good week. <laughs> Hell yeah, man. Super exciting stuff. And then yeah, Oscars are again, said it a million times, but they're just a week away and uh, hope, hope people are trying to watch those movies and get excited for the show because the ratings have been so, so bad for all the other, award shows maybe maybe the oscars will be a little bit better oh soderbergh's behind it and he keeps saying that he wants to do it as like a movie so this i think it's going to be a very weird like memorable oscars <laughs> hell yeah buckle up oh hell yeah thanks for listening we'll see you next time keep watching movies